0: Boris Johnson emerges from the British elections with a massive mandate. Democrats and Republicans play rock'em, sock'em robots during impeachment, and we check the mailbag. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Your data is your business. Protect it at expressvpn.com ben. Well, the markets have been going up and that's great, but there's a lot of volatility in the markets these days. And the fact is that banks control the world money supply. And that means that governments are constantly having to play this game where they're inflating currency or deflating currency. What if you just want like a stable asset to make sure that some of your assets are protected? Well, that would be gold. And the people you should talk to are the people over at Birch Gold. You're a smart investor. Well, now is the time to get in touch with the folks at Birch Gold. Have a conversation with a Birch Gold expert and see if precious metals make sense for your family today. They're putting out an offer I've never seen. It's the Silver Stocking Stuffer event. When you contact Birch Gold Group this month to buy precious metals, once you complete your purchase before December 20th, so time is running out, Birch Gold will send you free silver. It's a great stocking stuffer or Hanukkah gift. Listen, I know the folks at Birch Gold. They've been been with me since the very beginning. I've asked them lots of questions. They've given me lots of answers. And you should do the same thing if you're interested in investing in precious metals. They're the people that I trust And I think that you'll trust them too once you talk to them. Go check them out right now over at birchgold.com and also text my name, Ben, to 474747. Again, my name, Ben, to 474747. When you open your account with Birch Gold Group today, you get free 100% silver. You can even get a copy of their no obligation free information kit. Again, it's a smart thing to diversify and some of their money should be in precious metals. Text my name, Ben, to 474747. Claim your eligibility for the special offer today. Text Ben to 474747. Well, Great Britain, slow clap for you. Slow clap for you today because Jeremy Corbyn, who is a vicious communist anti-Semite, not only lost the election last night, he's going to drop his leadership in the Labour Party, which is just a wonderful, wonderful result. And this was a big gamble by Boris Johnson and the Conservative Party. So Boris Johnson had basically brought Britain to an election on the basis that he didn't have a mandate to push forward with Brexit. Now, two years ago, there was a vote on Brexit. Sorry, actually it was in 2016. So it it would have been three years ago. There was a vote on Brexit. And the people of Britain decided that they were not going to go along with the EU's overregulation and centralization of power and this came as a shock to the world media the world media expected that the brits they'd be sophisticated enough to just go along with the EU and the EU's free immigration policies that Britain would swallow the crow of having to deal with Angela Merkel's individual German immigration policies. And then because of free transport, everybody would be able to move across state lines into Britain, that Britain would be fine with the overregulation from Brussels, every aspect of British life being controlled by unelected bureaucrats in Brussels. And it turns out that the Brits were not okay with that. And they voted that way in the largest single referendum in the history of the nation. Well, ever since then, The government of Britain has been trying to stop Brexit from happening. So Theresa May kept putting forward Brexit proposal after Brexit proposal, but she didn't have enough of an electoral mandate in order to get that done because members of her own party, some of them thought that the Brexit deal was too easy on the EU. Others of it thought that it was too harsh on the EU. Labour was standing against Brexit. There just was not that she didn't have the numbers. And so she ended up leaving the prime ministership. She was widely perceived not to really want to do Brexit in the first place. And Boris Johnson replaced her, the very colorful former mayor of London, and Boris Johnson took over, pledging that he was going to get Brexit done. And he tried to ram it through. He tried to suspend parliament at one point in order to shorten the period that Labour would have to stop him from ramming it through. In the end, he was unable to do that, and so he called new elections. It was a risky move because the fact is that the British people could have said, listen, we're tired of all this Brexit stuff. Let's have a second referendum, and this time we will, we will cut against Brexit and we will stand with the Labour Party. Well, instead, Labour is handed a crushing blow, just a massive, massive blow as the Conservative Party in Britain walks with an 80-seat majority <laughs> in the in the House's Parliament, which is an incredible, incredible thing. I mean, it really, it, it truly is. It's, a, it's the biggest landslide against Labour, I believe, in the country's history. It's, it's this incredible, incredible blow to what is an incredibly powerful party. In Britain, And it's not just a referendum about Brexit, obviously, although it was the British people saying, listen, we've said over and over, you guys, you got to get it done. Just get it done. What, what do we have to do here? Get it done. It was in part that. In part, it was a direct referendum on the leadership of Jeremy Corbyn, who is indeed, as I say, a communist and an anti-Semite who has never met an anti-Semitic dictator he does not love. According to the AP... Prime Minister Boris Johnson's Conservative Party has won a thumping majority of seats in Britain's Parliament, a decisive outcome to a Brexit-dominated election that should allow Johnson to fulfill his plan to take the UK out of the EU next month. With 642 of the 650 results declared on Friday, the Conservatives had 358 seats and the main opposition Labour Party had 203. That is a blowout. A blowout. Johnson said it looked like the Conservatives had a powerful new mandate to get Brexit done. This makes Johnson the most electorally successful Conservative leader since Margaret Thatcher. It was a disaster for left-wing Labour leader Jeremy Corbyn, who faced calls for his resignation even as the results poured in. Meanwhile, the Scottish National Party won almost 50 of Scotland's 59 seats, up from 35, That will embolden their demands for a new referendum on Scottish independence, but Parliament has to go along with that. Parliament is not going to go along with a new referendum on Scottish independence. The centrist pro-EU Liberal Democrats took only about a dozen seats, and Liberal Democratic leader Jo Swinson stepped down after losing in her own Scottish constituency. The Conservatives took a swath of seats in the post-industrial northern English towns that were long labor strongholds. Labour's vote held up better in London. That was pretty much the only place where labor held up. The decisive conservative showing vindicates Johnson's decision to press for Thursday's early election, which which was held nearly two years ahead of schedule. He said that if conservatives won a majority, he would get parliament to ratify his Brexit divorce deal and take the UK out of the EU by the current January 31st deadline. Johnson said the historic election, quote, gives us now in this new government the chance to respect the democratic will of the British people to change this country for the better and to unleash the potential of the entire people of this country. Pretty much everybody turned away from labor. Labor economy spokesman John McDonald said, I think Brexit has dominated, has dominated everything by the looks of it. We thought other issues could cut through, and there would be a wider debate. From this evidence, there clearly wasn't. Well, yes, Brexit was the big issue. The other issue is that Jeremy Corbyn is a nut job, and everybody in Britain understood that Jeremy Corbyn was a nut job. The chief rabbi of England came out and said that Jews should not vote for this anti-Semitic party. Astonishing. Astonishing. And you've already seen the pressure have its toll. Jeremy Corbyn announcing last night that the election had gone quite poorly for him, and then announcing that he was going to step down from leadership of labor.
1: I want to also make it clear that I will not lead the party in any future general election campaign. I will discuss with our party to ensure there is a process now of reflection on this result and on the policies that the party will take going forward. And I will lead the party during that period to ensure that discussion takes place and we move
0: on into the future. Okay, and everybody cheers. This is in his constituency. So the way that it works in Britain is that everybody who's in parliament obviously has to be a member of parliament. So the leader of a parliamentary party has to be a member of parliament. You have to be elected in your own constituency. So Boris Johnson announced his election victory basically in a congressional district in the way that it would kind of be the, the analogy in the United States. It would be as though in Congress, the biggest party in Congress then had a leader and that par- that leader's party, the the the, the, the the party leader ended up becoming president of the United States. It's sort of like that in Britain. That's how the parliamentary system works. So that means that everybody is announcing from their congressional district or from their constituency. In this case, what was wonderful about that video where Jeremy Corbyn is announcing that he will no longer lead the Labor Party in general elections, a couple of things are wonderful about this. One, Britain has this incredibly great tradition where all it takes is basically 50, I think it's like 50, 50 pounds or 500 pounds or something. I think it's 500 pounds in order to stand for parliament. If you do, then you get to stand on the stage as the parliamentary election results are read. So behind Boris Johnson, uh, so behind Jeremy Corbyn is standing a dude in a white coat and a goofy hat, which is pretty spectacular. It, and behind Boris Johnson, by the way, in his constituency, well, was Lord Buckethead and Elmo, which is always wonderful because, honestly, democracies shouldn't take themselves that seriously. Human endeavors are all ridiculous, and this is just proof of it. But the best part of this is the Jewish guy in the yarmulke who presumably was campaigning with the Conservative Party, who is standing behind Boris Johnson and smiling broadly as Jeremy Corbyn announces <laughs> that he's not going to be leading the Labour Party. And good for the Brits. Good for the Brits for rejecting this piece of garbage, Jeremy Corbyn. And he is. He is awful in every possible way he is awful. Not only is he basically a communist on policy, but he happens to be a vicious anti-Semite, and he has for years. Liam Hoare had a piece in the tower.org, back in 2015, describing how Corbyn hobnobbed with anti-Semites. Corbyn said in 2009, quote, it will be my pleasure and my honor to host an event in parliament where our friends from Hezbollah will be speaking. I've also invited friends from Hamas to come and speak as well. Unfortunately, the Israelis would not allow them to travel here, so it's going to be only friends from Hezbollah. And Corbyn then said he didn't mean that they were just his friends. He just meant like friends collectively, and the, the Labor Party was rife with anti-Semites who had entered the halls of power thanks to Jeremy Corbyn. A, again, none of this was new, but the British people were not going to embrace that. And good for them. Good for them. Now, did any of that stop Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez from endorsing Jeremy Corbyn? The fact that he is a radical leftist who has never met a dictator he doesn't love and has never met a Jew hater he didn't become friends with? AOC tweeted out a video she tweeted this out just before the election from Jeremy Corbyn. This video is about the UK, but it might as well have been produced about the United States. The hoarding of wealth by the few is coming at the cost of people's lives. The only way we change is with a massive surge of new voters at the polls. UK vote. They did. It ended poorly for them. It wasn't just AOC calling on the Brits to show up in favor in favor of Jeremy Corbyn. It was also Bernie Sanders. So Bernie Sanders's team... The the head of Bernie Sanders' national organization, Claire Sandberg, tweeted out, the Bernie team says, vote labor. Solidarity with all the folks knocking on doors in the cold rain, getting out to vote for, for the many, not the few. So they, they, and and then it showed a picture of people holding Bernie signs alongside people holding Jeremy Corbyn for leader signs. So openly endorsing the anti-Semites to get absolutely smashed at the polls. (laughs) Spectacular stuff. I do love the UK Guardian, which is beside itself this morning. The UK Guardian has an entire piece about how the Russians stole the election for Boris Johnson. Uh huh, uh huh. Now the disconnect between the polls and the actual final election results are pretty stunning because leading up to this election, there were a bunch of polls that were done. The media were covering this thing as though it was very, very tight. Everybody was very nervous. Listen, I had calls from people who have hundreds of employees in Britain, and they were they. Li- somebody said this to me yesterday. They literally said, as the polls were were happening, they said if Jeremy Corbyn became prime minister, they were going to remove the business from Britain. Okay, there was just the reaction of the British people to Jeremy Corbyn was violently anti because he's awful. And that really helped Boris Johnson. It also helped Boris Johnson that a lot of working class Brits were sick of the elitists in Britain telling them that they had to listen to the elitists in Brussels, that they had to accept Angela Merkel's foreign policy and that they had to and then that, that they had to accept Sweden's social policy. They were not up for it. according to the AP. on the whole, Labor tried to focus the campaign away from Brexit and onto its radical domestic agenda, vowing to tax the rich nationalize industries like railroads and water companies and give everyone in the country free internet access. It campaigned heavily on the future of the National Health Service. It appears that was not enough to boost labor's fortune. Defeat spells the end for Jeremy Corbyn, a veteran socialist who moved his party sharply to the left after taking the helm in 2015, but who now looks to have led his left of center party to two electoral defeats since 2017. He was also accused of allowing anti-Semitism to spread inside the party, Labor members were pissed. The London mayor, Sadiq Khan, who is a member of Labor, he came out and he said Jeremy Corbyn's leadership is a disaster area. Khan has been quite critical of Corbyn, specifically because of Corbyn's open tolerance of anti-Semitism inside the party. Sadiq Khan, who's looking for a leadership position in the Labor Party, he said this general election result is nothing short of a catastrophe for the Labor Party, for London and for the U.K., For the fourth general election in a row, the Labour Party has failed to put forward a compelling case to the British people. It is no consolation that we performed so much better here in London. We have fundamentally failed those that most desperately need the help of a Labour government. They include the sick, the poorest, the vulnerable. Our dedicated activists did all they could. As ever, I'm truly grateful for all their hard work. And then he just goes right after Corbyn with a steak knife. If we are truly honest with ourselves, we knew in our hearts that Jeremy Corbyn's leadership was deeply unpopular with the British people and that we were extremely unlikely to form a Labour government last night. Labor's shocking and repeated failure to tackle anti-Semitism. Okay, this criticism is coming from inside the House. And I'd just like to make a note for the Democratic Party in today's America. Guys, you could do the same thing to the anti-Semites in your own party. You could say, Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib, you're not helpful. By the way, it is worth noting that Rashida Tlaib, there is that Jersey City anti-Semitic shooting, which, by the way, could have been so much worse. When I say it could have been so much worse, that, I mean, six people died, four people who were good and the two shooters. The shooters apparently... We're actually aiming for the site next door where there were 50 school-aged children studying upstairs, Jewish kids. They actually shot at the door. And then when they couldn't get in the door, they went into the kosher supermarket and shot that place up. Rashida Talib had tweeted out how terrible the shooting was and blamed it on white supremacists. Then it turns out it was black Hebrew Israelites. And then she deleted the tweet. She has not tweeted anything about Jersey City. I believe AOC has not tweeted anything about Jersey City. Ilhan Omar, my understanding is, has not tweeted anything about Jersey City. You know, if you guys in the Democratic Party, don't want to go the way of labor, then perhaps you ought to consider tossing the radicals out of your own party. Good for Sadiq Khan. He says, Labor's shocking and repeated failure to tackle anti-Semitism and our inability to put forward a credible and believable set of priorities for governing have made a major contribution to the scale of this defeat. Brexit has accelerated a fundamental shift in British politics and rewritten our political map, the full extent of which is not yet fully understood. However, labor now stands more politically and culturally removed than ever, Before, from many of the people our party was formed to represent, and that means asking ourselves some very difficult questions. The next five years are full of grave challenges. We'll leave the European Union on Boris Johnson's terms. Our union with Scotland is in peril. We'll face damaging and far-reaching changes to our economy and public services from this hard-right Tory government. The Labour Party will have to change fundamentally in order to rise to these challenges and confront the new political reality that we face. Jeremy Corbyn has said he will stand down. This simply must now happen quickly. But the changes we have to make will not end with his leadership. That is damn well true. Okay, it's not just going to be Jeremy Corbyn. The entire Labour Party has to be purged of the communists and the anti-Semites if they wish to be competitive again. It is good for Western civilization that Western parties not embrace communism and Jew hatred. So, very good result from Britain last night. I'll explain in just one second what I think this means for the United States because people are taking lessons away from this in the United States. We'll get to that in just one second. First... Let's talk about how easy it is to rack up credit card debt. So the fact is that especially you're going shopping this holiday season and somebody says, open the brand new credit card and you'll get a 20% off deal. And so you're like, okay, I'll open the brand new credit card. Next thing you know, not only have you opened the brand new credit card, you've overspent on the brand new credit card and now you can't make the payment. And now you've entered the world of the credit card companies where you're getting charged those 20% monthly rates, the, the crazy, crazy rates where you can't pay it off and suddenly the accrued interest outnumbers out it, it out it out ways the actual amount that you'd spent on the credit card. Well, there's one way to get out of this and that is be responsible and refinance that debt right now. One of the people, the folks helping you right now, LendingClub.com. With LendingClub, you can consolidate your debt or pay off credit cards with one fixed monthly payment. Lending Club has helped millions of people regain control of their finances with affordable fixed-rate personal loans. No trips to a bank, no high-interest credit cards. Just go to LendingClub.com. You can tell them about yourself and how much you want to borrow and pick the terms that are right for you. If you're approved, your loan is automatically deposited into that bank account in as little as a few days. Go to LendingClub.com slash Ben. You got to get out of debt. You do not want that debt to dog you the rest of your life. Go get out of debt right now. Go to LendingClub.com slash Ben. Check your rate in minutes, borrow up to 40 grand. That's LendingClub.com slash Ben, LendingClub.com slash Ben. All loans made by Web Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Okay, so what does this mean for the United States? Well, a lot of conservatives today are saying a few things. One, the disconnect between the press and the people in Britain is just as large in the United States. The press in Britain cannot believe this, cannot believe this. I mean, if you look at the UK Guardian today, the Guardian is just beside itself. Again, they printed an article in the UK Guardian today in which they suggested that Boris Johnson had won because the Russians helped him cheat. I mean, this is one of my favorite articles. The headline over at the UK Guardian, which is sort of the the equivalent of, in Britain, the nation, maybe. They say, winners and losers, few bright notes on a grim night for labor. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so the, the, the media in Britain is very much disconnected, from, especially the mainstream media in Britain, very much disconnected from the people. And so they can't believe that a lot of the labor strongholds, those white working class strongholds in the north of England, voted in favor of the Conservative Party. And one of the big factors here is that Nigel Farage made the correct decision to get out of the way. So Nigel Farage's Brexit party was slated to win some of these seats. And he went to Boris Johnson and it was obvious that Johnson, in order to get Brexit done, needed that actual, the the votes that were going to go to the Brexit party to go to the Conservative party. Farage did the right thing, stepped out of the way and now Brexit is going to get done. So good for Nigel Farage. So the media disconnect is very similar to that in the United States. The media in the United States cannot believe that there is a single human being in the United States who would vote for Donald Trump. And that means that some of the polls are probably a little bit wrong. Okay, The polls on this thing were not particularly good. The polls on Trump may not be all that great. Now, I'm not a person who who discards poll data wholesale. I think you got to take it for what it's worth. But when you talk to conservatives, when pollsters call them, sometimes they just don't answer the questions the way they honestly believe because they're screwing with the pollsters because they don't trust the people asking the poll questions. Very often, poll numbers are a referendum on the people who are asking the questions more than a referendum on the subject of the questions. So there is that. The other thing is that the populist appeal of Boris Johnson is not off-putting to people. People in the, in, in the British media thought, okay, this Boris he acts like a clown, Boris Johnson. He drives like trucks through walls that ha- and, and the truck is labeled Brexit on it. Very Trumpian kind of stuff. Now, there is a difference between Boris Johnson and Donald Trump, which is that Boris Johnson is an actual classic scholar. Like Boris Johnson is a quasi philosopher. If you actually sit down and talk with Boris Johnson, dude is incredibly bright. It's not to say Trump is stupid, but Johnson is a quasi intellectual. Okay, with all of that said, his affect is very much like Trump's. And the media don't get it. The media are like, why this this sort of clownish behavior? Why can't we have the the radical Noam Chomsky college professor, Jeremy Corbyn? In the United States, it's the same thing. Why can't we have Elizabeth Warren, who teaches classes at Harvard Law School? Why can't we be genteel? The American people don't care about that. They want someone who speaks blunt truths. The same thing is in Britain. It is worth noting, when I was back in college at UCLA, I took a course on, on British politics. And I remember writing a paper specifically about the close mirroring between the, in, between the the outcomes of British elections and the outcomes of American elections. Basically, Britain and the United States tend to move politically in tandem. When Britain moves to the left, the United States tends to move to the left. When the United States moves to the right, Britain tends to move to the right. It tends to presage particular shifts, which is why a lot of people saw Brexit as sort of an indicator that Trump was going to do better than expected. Okay, so this should be scary for the Democrats in the United States. And also, it should be a wake-up call to Democrats in the United States. It should be a wake-up call that when you guys skew too far to the left the same way that Jeremy Corbyn skewed too far to the left, you are going to leave the public behind. Remember, the folks in Britain, they're a lot more used to socialism than the folks in the United States. They're a lot more used to socialist talk. They're a lot more used to big government than people in the United States are. The Democratic Party is mirroring the Labor Party in Britain. But the public in America is not even as left-wing as the public in Britain. We don't have a national health service. So for the Democratic Party to mirror that is incredibly stupid. Now, lessons for the right. One of the things that is true about Boris Johnson is that he basically made the campaign about a couple of key issues, right? He made it about Brexit and about stopping Jeremy Corbyn. That was basically Boris Johnson's campaign. He didn't make it about reforming and, and changing the NHS. He didn't make it really about income inequality or tax cuts or anything like that. He focused on one issue that he knew was pretty popular with the British people, and he focused on the evils of his opposition. Now, Donald Trump did something like that in 2016. He didn't campaign on entitlement reform. In fact, he overtly said that he was not going to change entitlements. He campaigned as a quote-unquote moderate Republican. Now, the question is, does his governing record match that? Well, on, t- on entitlements it does, right? I mean, he hasn't actually changed entitlements, to my great chagrin. He is, he is governed as a conservative on tax cuts, on judges, on parts of foreign policy, but he's not governed particularly conservatively in terms of spending. He's blown out the spending. And so you could see Trump running a very similar campaign, pointing to the radicalism of the left and then pointing to his economic record and saying, do you want that economic record to continue or not? Well, for him, that means that the best thing that could happen is that Elizabeth Warren becomes the nominee or Bernie Sanders, who has overtaken Elizabeth Warren in national polling, becomes the nominee. It's the reason why, and Joe Biden knows this, right? This is why Joe Biden today in the aftermath of this thing is saying, look at Britain, do you really think that the Democrats are going to be able to nominate their own Jeremy Corbyn and that guy's going to win in the United States. So Biden and his allies are seizing on this. Biden says, look what happens when the Labor Party moves so far, so far to the left. He said that as the British election results became clearer. Now, Bernie Sanders had already endorsed Jeremy Corbyn. Biden said Boris Johnson is winning in a walk. He predicted the pundits would say, look what happens when the Labor Party moves so, so far to the left. It comes up with ideas that are not able to be contained in a rational basis quickly. And he also drew comparisons between Johnson and Trump. He says, you're going to see some people saying, my God, Boris Johnson, who's kind of a physical and emotional clone of the president, is able to win. Well, yeah, again, I think that Boris Johnson, that, that's selling Boris Johnson quite a bit short. But the general point is well taken. And it is true that centrists in the United States are going to point to the radical move of the Democratic Party. And they're going to say, OK, well, do we want this to look exactly like Britain? Is the, Is this what we want? By the way, it'd be a very good thing for the country if the Democratic Party would move somewhere closer to the semblance of sanity. That'd be quite a good thing for, for the American people. Okay, in just a second, we are going to get to the House of Representatives. The House Judiciary Committee has now passed two articles of impeachment against the President of the United States. This is a foregone conclusion. We'll get to that in just one second. First, you know, every holiday season, I get ready to send a bunch of packages to friends and family for Hanukkah, or I get sent off the, the Christmas cards to people, you know, the, the Happy Holidays cards and everything. And very often that necessitates me taking all this stuff and schlepping it in my car. Well, I got two kids under the age of five. And that means taking my kids, putting them in the car, having to figure out how I, with two hands, am able to carry three things. One child here, one child here, and then all of the packages here. Since I don't have a third hand, it's a giant pain in the butt. And since I am less likely to grow a third hand than to just do all of this from home, I recommend Stamps.com. Stamps.com brings all the services of the U.S. Postal Service directly to your computer. Whether you're a small office sending invoices or an online seller shipping out products or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. And once your mail is ready, you just hand it to your mail carrier or drop it in a mailbox. It's really simple, really easy. And right now, they are offering a special deal. There's no risk with my promo code Shapiro. You get a special offer. It includes a four-week trial plus free postage in the digital scale. No long-term commitments, no contracts. Using our code, you will be saving money and supporting the show, which is important to us, important to Stamps.com. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, type in Shapiro. I personally use Stamps.com. We use it here at Daily Wear, your small business, your large business, you personally. Stamps.com is a great solution for you. Go to Stamps.com, enter Shapiro, Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Okay, so meanwhile in the United States, the Democratic Party is moving toward impeachment. So today they held a vote on impeachment in the house judiciary committee they did this they were going to do this last night the whole thing was theatric so the last 24 hours has basically been all of these idiotic hearings in the house judiciary committee for markup of the impeachment charges they were never going to get marked up nothing was going to change because the majority the democrats don't care what the minority the republicans have to say in fact they don't want any of those rules applied and so this hearing turned into a quite entertaining, if completely useless, spectacle in the stupidity of these impeachment hearings generally. So this morning, the House Judiciary passed the impeachment vote along completely partisan lines. Here's what that sounded like.
1: Mr. Chairman, there are 23 eyes and 17 no's.
0: The article is agreed to. The question now is on
1: Article 2 of the resolution, impeaching President Donald J. Trump.
0: Believable. So, uh, again... This is this is a bipartisan effort. Clearly the Democrats are just worried about the constitutional implications of Trump's behavior. Now, the Republicans are going nuts over this, and they're going nuts in in very colorful fashion. Mitch McConnell, who is the turtliest of turtles, right? I mean, Mitch McConnell is not somebody to overstate the case. He says, listen, this is not happening. There's no chance that Trump is removed. This is what Mitch McConnell sounds like when he is agitated. Have you ever seen a have you ever seen one of those t-shirts that has the moods of Darth Vader? And it's just the Darth Vader mask, like angry Darth Vader. Is it the same as happy Darth Vader? That's Mitch McConnell. This is Mitch McConnell agitated. The case is so darn weak coming over from the House. We all know how it's going to end. There's no chance the president's going to be removed from office.
1: My hope is that there won't be a single Republican who votes uh, for either of these articles of impeachment. And, Sean, it wouldn't surprise
0: me if we got one or two Democrats. It looks to me over in the House... The Republicans seem to be solid and the Democrats seem to be divided. Yes. Well, that, that, that is certainly true, by the way. Representative Doug Collins, it was a great opportunity for Congress people to put their names in the headlines. And that meant you got a lot of colorful, good TV, a lot of Al Pacino in Justice for all. Right. You're out of order. This entire court is out of order. Here's Doug Collins doing that Republican from Georgia.
1: There's not a Democrat in this room. They should be happy about this. The solemnity, the solemnity should be on the death of this committee's process and procedures. Don't give me the solemnity about impeaching a president. You've been wanting to do that for a long time. You ought to take it and just rejoice. Go at it. Because this is what you wanted.
0: Okay, Jim Jordan did the same thing. The congressperson from Ohio, he said this process is rigged and rushed. Okay, so what we have here are two cases that you're about to see. One is the Republicans saying, This process is ridiculous. This is all about you guys going after Trump, and then the Democrats saying, yeah, it kind of is. So here's Jim Jordan.
1: You have a rigged and rushed process when you don't have the facts. You have a rigged and rushed process when you can't accept the will of the American people. And of course, you have a rigged and rushed process when you're afraid that you can't beat the president at the ballot box.
0: Okay, and that last part is indeed the case. The Democrats are rushing the process because they can't. they, They think that Trump is likely to win. And given prevailing trends, and as we'll explain, given some of the late actions of President Trump in, in even the last week, Trump's odds of winning are going up fairly dramatically. Well, we'll get to why that is. We'll get to the Republicans versus the Democrats going at each other's throats. You know, at least, are you not entertained? We don't have Lord Buckethead or Elmo here, but we do have the United States Congress. Theo, I give you the United States Congress. We'll get to that in just one second. First, have you ever... Had a situation where something is broken down in your car and you need a specific part. This has happened to me before. And then I head on over to like AutoZone or I head over to one of the other auto parts stores and I go there and they don't have the right part. And so I have to schlep this dying car over to another store and they don't have the part either. And I thought to my, I think to myself, okay, well, you know, how can I get the part that I actually need without leaving my home? I'm an interwebs person. Well, rockauto.com knows that you too are an interwebs person. And that means that you should be looking at rockauto.com if you've got a problem with your car. rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Head on over to rockauto.com Shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog, really, really easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and filter by brands, specifications, and prices. Get the exact part delivered to your house so you're not trying to schlep a broken down car to seven different auto parts stores just to get a part that isn't exact. Best of all, Prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. They've got great selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Head on over to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and write Shapiro in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Again, rockauto.com. And please remember, write Shapiro in their How Did You Hear About Us box because that helps them know that you heard about us on heard about them on the show. Alrighty, we're gonna get back to the... the battle between the Democrats and the Republicans. And then there is this insane piece in the Washington Post that like, there is no way that this piece would ever be written about a group other than Jews. No, I mean, no way, no way. We'll get to that in just one second. First, it is that glorious time of the week when I give a shout out to a Daily Wire subscriber. Today, it's Instagrammer Ben Widowson, who's doing his best to change minds on a very important subject in the picture, Ben is taking a swig from his majestic leftist tears tumbler as he sits in the hallway of his high school engaged in a very worthwhile and civil debate. The caption reads, round one of I'm pro-life changed my mind. Was a success. Thank you to PHHS conservatives for letting me run this table and voice my opinions, everyone who debated to watch and everyone who showed up to watch and everyone who debated me, even if we disagreed. I can't wait for round two. Can't wait to hear more opinions. Hashtag leftist tears Tumblr. Ah, civility and conversation. Excellent job, Ben. Hope round two goes just as well and enjoy those leftist tears. Thanks for the pick. Keep up the good work. So why should you subscribe? Because you too can have that leftist tears tumbler. And right now, by the way, let me remind you that you are able to get a subscription at Daily Wire for 25% off. Why should you do that? Not only do you get this show and two additional hours, but you get discounts on all sorts of great stuff. You get to have AMAs with me, right? You can ask me questions. You can be in our mailbag, which we're going to do, right? All sorts of good stuff. Plus, you get the Sunday special on Saturday. This Sunday special, Frank Luntz stops by to talk about the power of language. Here's a little bit of what that sounded like.
1: I've already been in 30 states. I got another three or four more to go before we reach New Year's. And I do know how mad we are. I do know how... How this ugliness, this damn desire to be heard, not to listen, not to learn, but to be heard, how it's undermining so many things, and it doesn't have to be this way.
0: All righty, so it's a great interview. I, I think you'll really enjoy it. Really pretty fascinating. We go through all the Republican candidates, the Democratic candidates, everybody. It's really good. You get all of those things early. You get all sorts of special privileges when you become a member. Also, the Daily Wear store on Amazon, the perfect place for your holiday shopping needs. From our classic Facts Don't Care About Your Feelings shirts, which now 15% off. To so our hugely popular Zero Bark 30 shirt. And now our brand new Santa's Tr- Santa Trump's hoax, 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 sweatshirt. <laughs> Check that. You can check that out. Merry Christmas. You'll find plenty of goodies to make this the best gift-giving gift season ever. And if you buy this week, your orders will arrive just in time for Christmas. So head on over to DailyWire.com. Check out our Amazon store. Let the shopping begin. And again, if you're not already a subscriber, you're missing out. Go to DailyWire.com slash subscribe for as little as 10 bucks a month. You get our articles ad-free, access to all of our live broadcasts, our full show library, select bonus content, our exclusive Daily Wire app. Pretty great feature if you have not checked it out yet. We are the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So as I say, almost a complete waste of time yesterday in the House Judiciary Committee as the Democrats vote on two articles of impeachment and the Republicans militate against that. Matt Goetz, who again, many of the more colorful members of Congress had their moments in the sunshine, had their moments in the sunshine yesterday. Matt Goetz of Florida, he said, this is obviously bloodlust for Trump, which it is.
1: Time and again, they let us down in their claims. But one thing we know for certain is that this was a sad inevitability I had someone ask me recently, do you feel some sense of history, some sense of moment that you're about to vote on impeachment? And sadly, I knew this time was coming since the Democrats took control of the House of Representatives because they didn't lay out a plan to appropriate for the budget, work with us on critical generational issues. They set out a plan for impeachment.
0: Well, that is that is exactly right now. The most colorful moment of this entire thing happened when Matt Goetz went after Hunter Biden, He was pointing out that. It should be kind of suspicious that Hunter Biden was obtaining these extraordinarily lucrative jobs while having a record that included busts on drugs and all sorts of other problems. Matt Goetz says that Hank Johnson of Georgia, I believe, he the Democrat, he jumps in. He says, well, you have a DUI. Okay, so it, it turned real rock and and robots. I, I will note that logically speaking, Matt Goetz was elected to Congress. OK, he was not selected because his last name was Goetz. He didn't have a connection with the vice presidents of the United States. There is an actual difference between being elected in spite of a past DUI, Beto O'Rourke, and between being in a situation where you obtain a $50,000 a month job despite no history in the industry, despite no actual qualifications because your last name is Biden. Anyway, here's Matt Getz versus Hank Johnson. This made a lot of headlines yesterday.
1: And I don't want to make light of anybody's substance abuse issues, I know the president's working real hard to solve those throughout the country, but it's a little hard to believe that Burisma hired Hunter Biden to resolve their international disputes when he could not resolve his own dispute with Hertz' rental car over le- leaving cocaine and a crack pipe in the car. The pot calling the kettle black is not something that we should do. I don't know, I don't know what members, if any have had any problems with substance abuse, been busted in uh, DUI, uh, I don't know. But if I did, I wouldn't raise it uh, against uh, anyone on this committee. I don't think
0: it's proper. Okay, so is that really, you know, is that really a fair hit? The answer is, of course, it really is not. But that made a lot of headlines because people standing up to each Okay, so all of this is just for sham. Everybody, everybody understands this is just for show. The Democrats were going to ram this through no matter what. Nancy Pelosi was specifically asked yesterday, why, if you are so confident that Donald Trump committed an act of bribery here as the basis for impeachment, didn't you just include bribery as one of the impeachable charges? The obvious answer, they don't have the elements, meaning they don't have the evidence. Nancy Pelosi just skips right on by that, just slides right on by the question. I
1: myself am not a lawyer. Sometimes I act like one. Not as often as I act as a doctor, I practice medicine on the side without benefit of diploma, too. Uh, This is a decision that was recommended by our working together with our committee chairs, our attorneys, and the rest. So the articles are what they are. They're very powerful. They're very strong. And they are a continuation of a pattern of misbehavior on the part of the president.
0: Very powerful and very strong and also have no actual criminal charges attached to them. So strong, so powerful. What's the real reason Nancy Pelosi is doing this? Well, she let the cat out of the bag yesterday. This is clip 21. She explained, because we don't like Trump. Because we haven't liked him for two and a half years. Here's <laughs> Nancy Pelosi talking about this.
1: His criticism to the process
0: has been the speed at which the House Democrats speed? are moving. If this is, but seriously though, seriously.
1: It's been going on for 22 months, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we well, two and a half years, actually. There has been some criticism, though.
0: Okay, so it's been going on two and a half years? In, in what sense? How? How? Only if you believe that he's been impeachable since day one. So she just let the cat out of the bag. The entire thing is a sham. Now, why are the Democrats so focused in on impeachment? They keep, they keep just saying it out loud. And they're saying the quiet part out loud. Basically, they're focused on impeachment because they believe they're going to lose in 2020. And if they don't impeach, Trump will win. And if they do, and if Trump does win and is not impeached, they're going to claim that the election was stolen. Right, so they are setting up this, this basic choice between either we impeach him and then we win, or we don't impeach him and then he seals the election. Either way, the Democrats get to claim that the thing is illegitimate. So here is Eric Swalwell, who, when he's not threatening to nuke gun owners in the United States, is not farting on national TV. That was not him. It was Chris Matthews moving a mug, guys. It was not the flatulence of Duke Nukem. Here is Eric Swalwell. We have pattern evidence that not only Donald Trump acts corruptly, but that when you show courage and act against him, you can stop him. It's actually the only way to extinguish his corrupt ways. If unchecked, my colleagues, Donald Trump does not get better.
1: He gets worse. He gets more corrupt. And we can't wait
0: till the next election to hold him accountable not when he is trying to rig the next election. Okay, meanwhile, Hakeem Jeffries saying the same thing. He says, you know, Americans, th- this is so self-defeating. He says, Americans should decide elections outcomes. So we're impeaching. So um, why not wait till the election? The implication, obviously, is that if there is an election in 2020 that involves Donald Trump, it will not be legitimate. This is such a, a bad game Democrats are playing. They're outright saying, we can't beat Trump at the ballot box, we fear. And thus, We are just going to push forward with impeachment.
1: Who should decide the outcome of our elections? Is it the Russians, the Chinese, the Ukrainians, or the American people? It should be the American people. And that's why we're here at this moment, and so let's have a serious discussion about it. Stop attacking Americans who refused to bend the knee to this president.
0: Okay, so we we, we can't have a dictator. We have to have elections. Also, we're going to throw this guy out so we can't have an election referendum on him. Karen Bass also let the, the cat out of the bag, the congresswoman. She says, listen, you know what? If Trump wins again, we'll impeach him again. We'll just keep impeaching him. Is anyone under the wild misimpression at this point that the Democrats care at all about the basis upon which they are impeaching Trump? Is it clear to you? that they're doing this because they fear him in 2020? Because they, they've they been talking about impeaching him since day one. Pelosi just said they've been working on this thing for two years, for 22 months. Here's Karen Bass.
1: Yes, but I don't think it would be exactly the same. And here's
0: why. Because even though we're impeaching him, to, you know, now, there's still a number of court cases. There's a ton of information that could come forward. For example, we could get his bank records and found and find out that he's owned 100% by the Russians. So you are absolutely right in your scenario, but the only thing I would say slightly different is is that it might not be the same articles of impeachment because the odds are we'd have a ton more information. Okay, so th- th- this thing is not going to end, right? It's never going to end. It's, it, they're just gonna keep trying to impeach Trump, according to, according to Karen Bass. How seriously should we take all of this? I take it about as seriously as Democrat Congressman Cedric Richmond. Who apparently was watching golf in the middle of the impeachment hearings yesterday. I take it with the same level of thrill as this congressperson.
1: Mr. Nagoose votes no. Miss McBath? No. Ms. McBath votes no. Mr. Stanton? No. Mr. Stanton votes no. Miss Dean? No. Miss Dean votes no. Miss McCarsell Powell? No. Miss McCarslow Powell votes no. Miss Escobar? No. Miss Escobar votes no. As the no. vote is going on.
0: As the vote is going on, he's watching golf. I'm with that congressperson, that congressperson for Speaker of the House, because that's how seriously we should take all of this. It's all nonsense. It's all stupidity. Meanwhile, President Trump he is moving closer to a re election victory. And the reason is because he is getting some of the key issues off the table and he's doing it now. So, President Trump is going to sign today a new trade deal with the Chinese. He has settled on the outline of at least a first stage trade deal with the Chinese. Apparently, Trump has announced there will be a 50% reduction in the tariffs that he is, that he's imposed on September 1st, which covers about $110 billion of Chinese goods. The duties will go from 15% to 7.5%. There's already a 25% tariff on $250 billion in goods that he imposed in 2018. That's going to stay for now. But he says that this is the beginning of a larger settlement with China, the de-escalation with China. Well, it may not actually be great policy in the long run because the United States needs to be confrontational with China in order to get them to do what we want, in order to get them to liberalize. They've been retrenching. They've been using the free markets to enrich themselves and then to use that against the free markets and then to use that against free countries. Well, it may be better policy to treat China as an overt enemy at this point. In terms of Trump's re-election, if he does that, there's a better chance that the Chinese Sink the economy by selling some of America's bonds on the open market a month before the election, tank the economy, and throw it to whoever the Democrat is. So Trump ironing out this thing, or at least de-escalating before the election, is quite smart politically. It's what he needs to do. According to the New York Times, the United States has settled on final terms of a partial trade deal with China. Several people familiar with the negotiation said a development that could ease tensions between the world's largest economies just days before the long running trade war is set to escalate. Trump met with top economic advisors on Thursday afternoon at the White House, where the president agreed to significant reductions on tariffs he has placed on $360 billion of Chinese goods in return for China's commitment to purchase American farm products and make other concessions. As part of the agreement, the president is expected to announce he will delay or cancel tariffs on $160 billion of consumer products from China that were scheduled to go into effect on Sunday. Trump had foreshadowed this Thursday morning. He tweeted, getting very close to a big deal with China they wanted, and so do we. Michael Pillsbury, China scholar at the Hudson Institute, he said this is a historic breakthrough, and he attributed this to Trump having a good relationship with President Xi Jinping, who is in fact a dictator, Trump was agreeing to roll back some of the tariffs he had imposed on China in exchange for Beijing bolstering its annual purchases of American products to about $50 billion next year. Also, China is supposed to enforce stronger protections for American intellectual property, open its markets to American financial institutions, and commit to greater transparency surrounding the management of its currency. So that's a good deal for for President Trump, at least insofar as as the politics. It's, It's good for the economy as well. Free trade is always better for the economy. On a foreign policy front, is it a great idea to make deals with China? My general opinion is no, but from a market's perspective, it's going to help the economy. And that, of course, is very big for President Trump. Getting that issue off the table helps him a lot. Another issue he's gotten off the table, which again, on a on a policy level, I disagree with it, but on a political level, he needed to do before the election. Top congressional negotiators said on Thursday, they'd reached a deal in principle to approve $1.3 trillion in federal spending for 2020, probably averting a government shutdown next week. Now, the Republicans keep making these deals with Democrats to spend up the wazoo. They never take a strong position on spending. And that's terrible. It, it, it's also terrible. The American people are not ready to take strong positions on spending and are much more sanguine about spending a trillion dollars into the red every single year than they would be about making any cuts to to the programs that would actually require the cuts in order to get us close to fiscal sanity. With that said, a government shutdown would not be good for President Trump leading up to the election. So that's another domino that he has knocked down in advance of the election. Also, Trump, following the Boris Johnson model, he is now embracing more more big government policies. Like Boris Johnson is not a small government guy. He's a big government guy. It's just that compared to labor, he's a small government guy. Trump is, is sort of the same in the United States. Trump yesterday came out in favor of paid family leave, a policy which really should be left to the private sector. But again, he is trying to aim directly at those suburban moms that he has lost because of his personality. So here's Trump pushing that yesterday.
1: But American families are coming first with more women working today than ever before. We now have a historic opportunity to enact long overdue reforms. It's time to pass paid family leave and expand access to quality.
0: Now, that's not a policy I like, but it is a smart political policy because big spending is always smart political policy. Trump is actually considering skipping the debates, which is not a bad idea. Honestly, because while the Democrats would paint that as a form of cowardice, the fact is that the moderator is going to attack Trump. Now, in a, in reality, Trump's not going to skip the debates. If there, is a, if there is a moderator who is anti-Trump, Trump's going to attack the moderator, and it's not going to go poorly for him. He did it to great success last time around. It is also true that Trump is quite pithy in debate. He doesn't have a lot to say. He's not going to give you a Pete Buttigieg smooth answer on any policy, but he's cutting and he's biting. And... He says things that can be encapsulated in 30-second soundbites because the number of people who actually engage with all nine hours of these debates is fairly low. Nonetheless, Trump is apparently discussing with his advisors the possibility of sitting out general election debates in 2020 because of his misgivings about the commission that oversees them. Trump has told his advisor he does, he does not trust the commission on presidential debates, the nonprofit that sponsors the debates. Which is right. And the moderators that they've picked for the debates in the past have generally been awful. Less of a concern for Trump Then who will emerge as the Democratic nominee is which media personality will be chosen as the debate moderator. Perfectly fair. He's not afraid of Biden. He's not afraid of Warren. He's not afraid of Sanders. He is afraid that the moderator is going to spend the entire debate attacking. And you saw this in 2012 when Candy Crowley openly lied about Mitt Romney on stage and Barack Obama in order to help Barack Obama. So good for Trump to at least going in with his eyes wide open. The president's advisors declined to comment on what their plan was for the debates. One senior advisor to the president seemed to wince at the question, said it was not something advisors were prepared to discuss until next year. And again, are the debates going to help him? Well, there were polls done last, last election cycle saying that Hillary won the debates, didn't help her one iota. Now, the key for Trump is going to be, can he contain the Trumpy? Can he contain the Trumpiness? Because if Trump campaigns on the same premise as his first campaign commercial, which is, you may not like me as a person, but... I'm doing a lot of good stuff for the country. And then he can minimize all the times that he's in the news doing stuff that annoys people. He'll win. But if the election is about Trump, if Trump makes the election, the only person who can defeat Trump at this point is Trump. Because the Democrats do not have much in the chamber. I mean, there's there's no ammo in that chamber. So is it very helpful to President Trump that he is attacking Greta Thunberg, the 16-year-old proxy for the far left's views on climate change? Is that like a, a super smart move? So yesterday, Trump tweeted out, so ridiculous, Greta must work on her anger management problem, then go to a good old-fashioned movie with a friend. Chill, Greta, chill. Now, listen, do I find that funny? Yeah, I do, because she's a public figure. And the fact is that her outrage has been the the subject that has launched a thousand think pieces. And then the Trump campaign (laughs) put out a graphic of the time person of the year. It was a picture of Greta Thunberg standing by the ocean. They took Trump's head and just and then just pasted it onto Greta Thunberg's body. And then it says, Donald Trump, the power of promises, kept. CNN, of course, went nuts over this. Why would Trump attack Greta? Because Trump always attacks, because that's what he does, man. And listen, for you guys to play shock at this point is just silly. We all get it. Is it smart politically? No, it's not particularly smart politically, but it is very Trumpy. Now, as I say, if Trump would like to win, then the best thing that he can do at this point is to minimize the trumpy because we all get it, right? Everybody who likes that likes it. There's nobody in the middle who's like, yeah, you know what, now that he tweeted out a picture of himself with his head on Greta Thunberg's body, totally in. Before I was on the fence. Now that we have that picture of Trump's head on Greta Thunberg's body, I've totally changed my mind. I'm I'm voting Trump all the way. I don't think so. That doesn't mean you got to you got to make the goofiness completely go away, but you have to channel it toward a purpose. You got to channel the goofiness toward a purpose. This is what Boris Johnson did very well in Britain. He was running Again, small bulldozers through walls with a big sign that said Brexit on it. Donald Trump could do that sort of thing and enjoy it, and it would work for him. But it's got to be connected with policy. It can't just be him being like, "I, uh, Greta Thunberg's the worst. She's the worst. Anger management. Like, I don't see a purpose to that." Okay, time for a thing that you know what? Enough things I like. We're gonna do a thing that I hate. There is an insane piece at the Washington Post today, a fully crazy piece at the Washington Post today. The way that the Washington Post and the New York Times cover anti-Semitism demonstrates how how they do not take anti-Semitism seriously in an incredible, incredible, obvious way. So the New York Times has a piece today in which they quote a bunch of reform rabbis who don't know a lot about Judaism or care much about Israel, talking about how President Trump signing an executive order to defend Jews on campus is very, very bad. Shocker there. That's what the New York Times does. The Washington Post has an even more incredible piece. It's a reported piece by Wesley Lowry, Kevin Armstrong, and Deanna Paul. And it's titled, Jersey City Grapples with Ramifications of Shooting at Kosher Market. The entire piece is about the roiling tensions inside Jersey City that led to the shooting of a bunch of Jews at a kosher supermarket. And what could have been much worse, as I mentioned earlier on the program, there's tape that now shows that these shooters were attempting to break in next door. And there, there were 50 school children upstairs. So this thing could have been a Sandy Hook-style massacre by Black Hebrew Israelites against Jews. Well, the the Washington Post prints a piece that they would never print about anything else. If there were a child Char- after Charleston, after the South Carolina massacre in a black church by a white supremacist, would there ever have been a piece about the roiling racial tensions that led to so much white anger after the El Paso shooting? Would there have been? a a piece about how increased Hispanic immigration had led the white population to increase its anger and led to additional conflict? Of course not, because everybody understood that white supremacist shootings are evil and unrepresentative of the surrounding population, but, and, and certainly are not justified by anything that is happening in the world. But this piece from the Washington Post basically attempts to lend justification to the shooting. It's pretty astonishing. Here's what it says. The J.C. Kosher Supermarket sits on a block that appears the portrait of an American cultural melting pot. Across the street is a Catholic parish. A few storefronts away in one direction is an African hair braiding salon, in the other a mosque. The entire block rests a few miles from Ellis Island, settled in the shadow of the Statue of Liberty. Yet the market and the ultra-Orthodox families that frequent it also nods to a more complicated, if equally American story, that of a poor black community that after decades of underinvestment has seen a wave of redeployment and new arrivals. Remember, this is an article about the murder of Jews at a kosher supermarket by black Hebrew Israelites. That's what this article is about. Okay, and can you imagine that sentence? Can you imagine that sentence? By the way, we're showing some of the tape right now. You can see the lead shooter takes a look at the door. If you you run it back, you'll see the lead shooter takes a look at the door. That is the school, and then quickly turns and enters the supermarket. See, look right there. That's the turn. Okay, That could have been a lot worse, but that sentence from the Washington Post. Yet the market and the ultra-Orthodox families that frequent it also nod to a more complicated, if equally American story, that of a poor black community that after decades of underinvestment has seen a wave of redeployment and new arrivals. I'm going to change that language for El Paso, right? Yet the Walmart and the Hispanic families that frequent it also nod to a more complicated, if equally American story, that of a poor white community that after decades of underinvestment has seen a wave of redeployment and new arrivals. If that sentence appeared in the Washington Post, it would get the Washington Post boycotted, and rightfully so, because guess what doesn't justify the mass murder of people on the basis of their ethnicity or their religion? Under-investment in the local community, gentrification, this is insane. And the Washington Post continues along these lines. They see more than 100 Jewish families have moved here in recent years, fleeing astronomical housing costs in Brooklyn, settling into affordable homes across the Hudson in the heart of a historic black community. While their arrival prompted fears there would be tension between Hasidic arrivals and the black residents who have been here for generations, many who have moved here say they have found friendly neighbors who made them feel at home. Then on Tuesday, a horrific attack threatened to shatter that goodwill. Oh, it was the, it was the attack that threatened the goodwill. We have tape from directly outside the site of the shooting of black residents of the city talking about how the shooting was a good thing. Again, the the, the, the media coverage of this is so is so invested in the intersectional politics of the left, it's insane. We have to turn the the real story about the Jersey City shooting not into a problem of two black anti-Semites murdering Jews and lead that to a broader conversation of anti-Semitism that exists in every community and are there problems of anti-Semitism in parts of the black community, particularly in Brooklyn and New Jersey. We're not going to have that discussion. Instead, we're going to talk about gentrification and how Hasidic Jews moving into the neighborhood is creating all of this turmoil. Again, imagine if the Washington Post, in the aftermath of Charleston, wrote a story about how black families moving into white neighborhoods was causing ethnic tensions that led to a shooting. You'd be like, wait, what? What? But that's what this Washington Post story effectually does. It's crazy. Okay, according to the Washington Post, as investigators continue to probe the attack, which comes amid a rise in anti-Semitic violence nationally, this city is grappling with whether the attacks reflect underlying ethnic tensions locally and fears it could spark new ones. Well, maybe you might want to talk with black leaders locally about why they think that this thing happened and whether, in fact, the polls that show outsized black anti-Semitism in the United States are reflective of a dearth of leadership in some parts of the black community. You would certainly do that if the races were reversed. If this had been a Jew who went and shot up a black church, you would get a lot of talk about our rabbis from the pulpit being racist. Is the the, the ethnic tensions between Jews... And blacks, are those the fault of Jews, right? I mean, that, that's what you would get. Now you're getting Jews moved into the neighborhood and that's causing ethnic tension. Like this, the coverage is just maddening. It's maddening and pathetic. And it's, this this article would never have been written about anybody except for Jews. Nobody except for Jews would have this article written about them. They literally, half the article's about gentrification. The development of suburbs in the 1950s and 60s led to an exodus of most of the area's white residents, later followed by many middle-class black families Once the Fair Housing Act empowered them to pursue suburban living as well, the loss of moneyed residents and their businesses was coupled with the departure of manufacturing jobs, which were relocated to the South and later overseas, leaving behind an under-resourced urban core of poor black and brown people left to fend for themselves as violence and drugs spread. So in other words, if we just cut a few more government checks, and if we added more to the redistributive burden of the American people and made this area richer, then that would have kept the Jews out, and then you wouldn't have had this problem in the first place. Well done, Washington Post. Well done. Insane stuff. Alrighty, we'll be back here with two additional hours later today. We'll get into the mailbag then. We sort of ran out of time today. But if you don't subscribe to get the additional two hours, you're not going to get those two additional hours. This is why you should go subscribe right now. We have special Christmas and Hanukkah deals available. Go check it out right now. Otherwise, we'll see you here next week. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Associate producer, Colton Haas. Assistant director, Pavel Wydowski. Edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Karomina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. Production assistant, Nick Sheehan. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. On the Matt Walsh Show, we're not just discussing politics. We're talking culture,
1: faith, family, all of the things that are really important to you. So come join the conversation.
0: We'll get to more on this in just one second. First,